If you didn't bring a Bible with you this morning, uh, lift up your hand. Our ushers have extra Bibles. We'll be glad to let you use one of ours. And let's turn and go to John chapter 8. John 8 and verse 31. Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, If you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Glory. We're beginning a new series this morning. And uh, the title of it is Disciple of the Lord. And uh, I'm excited about it. I believe the Lord has given it to us and and directing us in it. And you know, uh, we don't see the big picture. But He is leading us all uh, step by step. Precept upon precept. He's building us, and everything He's giving us is preparing us for the next thing. And He's getting us ready for some wonderful and good things in the days ahead and on into eternity itself. Disciple of the Lord. Look at John 8, 31 again. He said, if you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed. You're my disciples if you continue in my word. Uh, Another translation says, the NIV says, if you hold to my teaching, you're really my disciples. The New Century says, if you continue to obey my teaching, you're truly my followers. The Amplified says, if you abide in my word and hold fast to my teachings and live in accordance with them, You are truly my disciples. Then the Weiss goes on to say, and you'll know the truth in an experiential way, and the truth shall make you free. You'll experience the truth. If you live and stay in the Word and are His disciple. Now, what is a disciple? And uh, are you one? (laughs) Is everybody one? We're going to get into some things that are important and some things that are not necessarily maybe just uh, milk of the word. How many like to grow up some? I'll go ahead and answer the question and we'll come back to it again and again throughout the series. The answer is no. Just because you're a believer, that doesn't automatically make you a disciple. Look at this again. Start at the first of the verse, verse 31. What did it say? Read it out loud to me. Jesus said to the Jews that believe. He said to who? The Jews. That what? Are they believers? Yes. They, when are they going to be believers? They already are. Believed on Him. They already believe. Are they believers? They're believers right now. On him. Go on to read. What's the next word though? If. (laughs) If. You that are already believers. If you'll continue in my word. Then. 
Are you my disciples indeed? You're really my disciples if you do that. So just because you're a believer, now this is not the only verse we're basing this on. We'll be touching different things as we go. It'll begin to be more and more obvious. But uh, just because you're a believer, that doesn't mean you are a disciple. I'd like to have a whole church full of disciples. Disciples of the Lord. Disciples of the Master, the Christ. Disciples. Now, um, disciple, if you look up the word, the, the Greek word, it literally means learner or follower. Someone who is learning, someone who's following. But Vines goes into this part of it too. It says, a disciple was not only a pupil but an adherent. Hence, they are spoken of as imitators of their teacher. We need to have an Eastern understanding of this word, not Western. So many times when people hear of this concept, they think like a scholastic student, a learner. You sit, you learn, you get information. No, the word disciple would have more of the meaning. For instance, how many remember the old show Kung Fu? (laughs) And there was the master teaching grasshopper. Remember? Grasshopper was the disciple. Now, he's not just in the classroom taking notes. He's being trained and taught through precept and through example. And the objective is for him to become like the teacher. We're really touching some important things now. Another one is maybe a more modern one is Star Wars. And the Jedi have Padawans. (laughs) I don't know what that is. Don't bother about it. It's one that was taken alongside to train. I'm just saying it helps us if we have more of an Eastern, more of an Oriental concept. I know uh, when I was 10 years old, my dad put me in a school of martial arts. He had gotten involved in it. He put me in. It was old school. Uh, The guys were taught by the descendants of uh, the founders from Okinawa. And we practiced on concrete floors and no pads. Very strict. Helped me a lot. <laughs> Immensely. It did. It did. Not that I was a wild child to start, but, you know, it helped me. And, uh, well, I was just 10, you know. <laughs> what are y'all laughing about? But anyway, through the course of the years, you know, through my teen years, I stayed in it all the way. I decided, emphasis on I, I decided that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to be a heavyweight, full contact fighter. That's what that was. I wanted to do that as my occupation. And so I trained and trained and trained and trained and trained and and trained. And my objective was, as uh, soon as I was out of school, I was going to go to uh, uh, the Orient and train under the best masters that I could. 
and learn. And, you know, to become the best that I could be. And uh, along in that time, the Lord got a hold of me. Thank you, Lord. (laughs) And he began to reveal to me he had another plan for my life. Now, it took me a while. It took me from the time uh, we knew that God was calling us to something. It took... uh, Oh, two or three years for me to finally realize I'm supposed to preach. That was a shock to me. I know you may think it's funny, but it was. I mean, the Lord finally got across to Phyllis now that we were to leave home and we were to go train at Ramah. But, you know, not everybody that went there was preachers. So I thought I'd go there for a year and go home. And uh, so uh, into a year or so there, we came back home. And they invited me to speak at a little church. And so I said, yes. And on Saturday, I'm driving around in the car, and the local radio station was playing. And they broke in. They said, come to such and such church and hear Brother Keith Moore uh, speak. And I thought they said, Reverend. They said, come hear Reverend Keith Moore speak. I about ran off the road. I thought, <laughs> I thought, my Lord, I'm a preacher. I was shocked. I, I thought, you got to be kidding me. I'm a, am I going to be a preacher? Now, I know that probably sounds weird to you, but it, it took the Lord a little while to get me thinking that way. So, But uh, anyway, during, you know, right before that, when I realized I'm not going that way, I'm not training to be a fighter, I said, well, Lord, I was willing to go to the ends of the earth. I was willing to sacrifice and to become the best I could be in that area. I'm asking you, put me under the same thing spiritually. I don't even know where to look. I don't even know. I didn't know anybody at that point that was teaching faith or that kind of thing. In just about a year from that time, I was sitting at the feet of Kenneth Hagin. And I was there for 20 years. Glory to God. Oh, the Lord is so good. Isn't he good? He's good. Well, we need to be trained. We need to be developed. Now, before I I get into this too much further, go with me over to the book of Acts. A lot of people, when they hear the word disciple, they kind of (laughs) cringe. And they begin to think about issues and teachings associated with discipleship from the uh, 70s and 80s and some problems that people had and some confusion and hurts and other things. And uh, to just clarify the subject, in Acts 20 and 30, so Brother Keith, are you teaching discipleship? Uh, Yes, I am. Disciple is found, and that to do with discipling is found hundreds of times in the New Testament. But I am not teaching about us discipling each other. I am teaching about you and me and all of us being disciples of the Lord. Acts. The 20th chapter, are you there? Paul was speaking 
to a group of ministers that had come up under him. And he's giving them some final charges and words. He said, I know you're not going to see me anymore after this. He just knew that in his spirit. But in Acts 20 and uh, 29, he said, I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Also of your own selves. Now think about that. He's standing there looking at them. And he said some of you. Right here right now. Some of you. Are going to rise up and speak perverse. Twisted distorted things. In order to what? Draw away disciples. After them or after themselves. If someone. Helps you find the master. And helps you follow the master. Does that make them your master? No. No. And uh, that was the error that some folk got into, is trying to make disciples, you're my disciple. That was the problem. And is the problem. You're my disciple. And then also people really got off trying to actually keep people babies and dependent on me. you got to come to me and I'll tell you what to do. No, we all have the Holy Spirit. And we're supposed to learn how to follow Him for ourselves. And grow up and develop. And so you had people going to folk. Do I marry them? Do I not? Do I buy the Chevy? Do I buy the Ford? Do I wear the red tie or the blue? No, no, no. No. Paul said this. He said, follow me four or five times. But he said, follow me as I follow the Lord. And if I help you or somebody else helps you to follow the Lord, that doesn't make me your master. That doesn't make you my disciple. Nobody can serve two masters. There's only one master. And the master said, don't call any man your master. Didn't he say that? Say it out loud. Jesus is my master. Now, are you a believer in Jesus? Here's the next question. Do you want to be a disciple? Yes. Do you? Yes. Are you listening carefully now? Yes. It's going to cost you. <laughs> if you really become a disciple, it's going to cost you like nothing has ever cost you in your life. Do you understand? Yes. And so we don't need to make any trivial little quip statements about this. But we're going to, as the Lord tarries is coming, will you believe with me? For utterance and for ears to hear and understanding and for us to learn what it means to be a disciple. And if you've got a heart for it and you're willing to do it, become a disciple. Become the Lord's disciple. Oh, hallelujah. You know, there were multitudes that came to hear Jesus. Multitudes, many, many thousands. And there were more disciples than the twelve. There were the seventy. And there were many more than them. And in fact, there were, uh, in the book of Acts, you read about thousands and thousands of disciples. Disciples. And yet, not everybody that came to the meeting became a disciple. A disciple is a follower. A disciple is a learner and a follower. 
What's the difference between just being a believer and being a disciple? It requires a much greater submission and a much greater commitment to be a disciple. Go with me to Luke, please. The book of Luke, fifth chapter. If you become a disciple, it's going to cost you something. (laughs) You hear the excitement? (laughs) Luke 5 and 11. Well, verse 10, Luke 5 and 10. James and John, the sons of Zebedee, that were partners of Simon. Jesus said to Simon, Fear not, from henceforth you'll catch men. And when they had brought their ships to land, what'd they do? What'd they do? They forsook all and followed him. This describes the beginning of discipleship. I mean, we could take you through, you know, more than one occasion. In fact, right in this same chapter, skip on over to the 27th verse. After these things, he went forth and saw a publican named Levi sitting at the receipt of custom. And he said to him, follow me. What is that? Come on, what is follow me? What is that? This is not just the same as believe on me. He didn't just say, believe on me. If that's all you're doing, you can keep your job. You can keep your golf time. Your hair appointments. Right? (laughs) Your hobbies. Nothing changes. You just believe on the Lord. I've just described millions of Christians across the country. They believe on Him. But it doesn't change their lifestyle that much. Did this change their way of life? When Jesus looked at them and they got out of the boat, what had they done the day before? Get up, go fish. The day before that. And the week before that. And the week before that. And the month before that. And the year before. What are they doing tomorrow? Not fishing. <laughs> Not fishing for fish. They're following him. Their life completely changed. If your life doesn't completely change, if your priorities don't completely change, then you didn't become a disciple. You just became a believer. But as long as you're living and breathing and the world's still turning, you still got an opportunity. I've still got an opportunity to be a disciple. Don't get scared now. Just (laughs) actually, this is mild. It gets a lot, (laughs) a lot stronger as we go. And not my words, his words. If you've read the scripture, you know what I'm talking about. Oh, Jesus has said a lot about this, and he said some of the strongest things about it. But I believe he's right. And I believe his way is the best way. Hmm? And if it costs you anything, and it will, the price it costs you is not even to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed. Uh, Levi's sitting there, 
at the receipt. He's got a job. He's got a well-paying job. And verse 27, what did Jesus say? Follow me. me. Is this going to change his life? (laughs) He didn't just say believe on me. What did he say? Follow me. Verse 28. Read it out loud. Verse 28. So he did what? He did what? He canceled his appointments for the afternoon. Huh? (laughs) Huh? He agreed to volunteer one hour a week. What did he do? He left. Oh, say it again. He left. Oh, say it again. He left all. He rose up. And he followed him. Did he become his disciple? He became his disciple. Glory to God. Do we have a lot to learn about discipleship? Yes, we do. Go with me, please, to two openings. In uh, 1 Corinthians, the ninth chapter, and 2 Timothy, the second chapter. 1 Corinthians 9, 2 Timothy 2. Jesus said uh, to people who believed on him, If you continue in my word, you'll be my disciples truly or indeed. What's the result of that? And you shall know the truth. You'll experience the truth. And the truth shall make you free. What's going on? The truth, you're experiencing the truth. Of course, who is the truth? Your master is is the truth. Jesus said, I am the way. He is the truth. He is the life. His word is truth. You've become a disciple of the truth. And that's not just a scholastic study. That's a personal life submission and commitment to the person of the word of truth who was made flesh And dwelt among us. And as you are following him. And learning of him. And being transformed into becoming like him. You are experiencing him. The truth. And is that affecting your life? Oh. And that truth. The master himself. The word made flesh and manifest in your life. Is making you free. Does that sound like burdens being removed? Yokes being destroyed, hindrances, bondages being broken and loosed and removed, making you free. Oh, friends, so many are in so much bondage and they've been in it so long, they've gotten used to it. You know, you can get used to almost anything. You can get used to a jail cell. You can get used to shackles. You can get used to blinders. You can get used to a hundred pound weight on your back. Long enough, it begins to seem normal. And that's the case with so many folk, even believers all over the place. There's so many bondages, so many weights, so many burdens, so many hindrances. Oh, but if we follow him, things will begin to be identified and our life can become so radically different. We look back and go, how did I live like that? How did I live like that? I was in such bondage. I was in such ignorance and darkness and blindness. Oh, can you be more free than you are right now? Do you think there's 
More freedom to, oh, 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 how free can you be? What's the ultimate example? As free as Jesus. How many think Jesus lived free? Free from condemnation. Free from guilt and shame. Free from fear. Free from limitations. Free. Free. He was so bold, so powerful, so clean, so clear, so free. And so can you and I be. Just the same. In 1 Corinthians 9, are you there? Verse 24, I'm going to read this to you from the NIV. You follow along whatever you've got. NIV, 1 Corinthians 9, 24. He says, do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone that competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last. But we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore I do not run like a man running aimlessly. I do not fight like a man beating the air. No, I beat my body and I make it my slave. So that after I preach to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. Is he talking about being a Christian? This sounds like more than just believing, doesn't it? Does this sound like being a disciple, a follower? He compares it to living a life of discipline comparable to a top athlete. Now we just got through watching the Olympic Games. And these games were going on then, back when this was written. And prior to that time, those games have been going on a long, long time. And uh, same thing then as now. These guys trained, and they represented their countries, or they represented their town. And they trained all year. They trained for years. Uh, Even back, you know, centuries and centuries ago, it was every four years like it is now. What does being a Christian have to do with training like an Olympic athlete? Do we need some mind renewal? Let me read this to you from another translation. Don't leave me now. The English version says, Surely you know that many runners take part in a race, but only one of them wins the prize. Run then in such a way as to win the prize. Every athlete in training submits to strict discipline. Does that word sound familiar? Disciple. Discipling. Discipline. Discipline. What is discipline? Submits to strict discipline in order to be crowned with the wreath that will not last. We do it for one that will last forever. Verse 27, he said, I harden my body with blows. The language in the Greek here is strong. One translation says, I beat my body black and blue. For a literal. Now he's not necessarily talking about harming yourself. But what's he talking about? He's talking about strict discipline. Isn't he? What does this have to do with being a Christian? How am I to think? How does this apply to me? As a believer, as a Christian. As a disciple. These athletes, you saw them, some of the feats that they accomplished 
in the Olympic Games. When did they start training for that? Hmm? Many of them childhood. Year after year after year. You reckon they always felt like training? No. <laughs> you reckon they had days that they felt like they weren't 100%? Had injuries? Soreness? You know? Maybe what they ate wasn't the best the night before or the day before. Maybe the climate wasn't the best. It's hot. It's muggy. It's uncomfortable. But what did they do? Reckon their bodies didn't want to get out of bed some mornings at 4.30. Reckon their times are tough. You know, depending on what you're doing, you get tired of eating certain things. You get tired of eating so many times a day. Or you get tired of, you can't eat this. You can't do this. Reckon their times they want to just lay in front of the TV and eat a big bag of tater chips. <laughs> and a half gallon of ice cream. But I'm going to know that is not the way you get to gold. You, have, you can't get to gold acting like that all the time. What's that got to do with you and me? Do you see why we're on this series? <laughs> do you? We got to find out what's this got to do with you and me. How do we, he's not just talking about training physically. He's talking about training spiritually. And how do I get up every day and maintain a disciplined life on the level of an Olympic athlete? Not just physically. It involves keeping my body under. That's what he went on to say. He said, I keep my body under. Lest after I've preached to others, I myself should be disqualified, two or three translations say. We all know of too many situations, ministers included, that have become disqualified because of yielding to their flesh. They didn't adhere to strict discipline. They didn't keep their bodies under control. He said, I bring my body under complete control to keep myself from being disqualified after having called others to the contest. Go with me to Second Timothy, the second chapter. What are we talking about this morning? Being a disciple of the Lord. Is it going to cost you anything? Got to discipline yourself. Now millions of believers, they have no concept of this at all. They gave their heart to the Lord. They believed on Him. And they found where they like to sit. And they say, y'all pray for me. You know, and just hold on till Jesus comes. But they have no concept of every day when they get up in the morning, I've got to discipline myself like an Olympic athlete. Does this apply to you? Yes. And me? Yes. How does it apply to us? Are we disciplining ourselves like this? <laughs> Can we? Can the Lord help us? Do we want to? Is it worth it? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. As time goes on, it's going to become increasingly clear. This is what you want. Is it going to cost you? Oh, yeah, buddy. Yeah. Do you want it? Yes. 
Yes, there's nothing else comparable to it. Look in 2 Timothy, the second chapter. 2 Timothy, the second chapter, and the third verse. Well, verse 1, excuse me. Verse 1 says, Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. We live in a generation of weaklings. Did you know that? Pitiful. Whiny babies. <laughs> Did you know that? Oh, dear me. Some of the things you hear people say. You wonder, you know, you didn't have any training. You didn't have any upbringing. Why don't you know these things? You don't always feel like jumping out of bed. How many know that? You don't always feel like jumping out of bed. But sometimes you got to go. You got to go. Doesn't matter how you feel. Get with the program. I know it. I taught at Rama for years. Rama Bible Training Center. And it was part of our job to uh, help approve the applicants that were coming, if they got to come or not. And then if somebody during the year decided they wanted to quit, they wanted to get out, they'd have to interview with one of us uh, or more of us. You know, why are you leaving? And uh, more than once, people would come. I mean, one couple was upset. Phyllis was worked in admissions. She got to deal with more of the folks than I did. And uh, this one couple's leaving because they got upset because they wouldn't let them park in the instructor's places. <laughs> instructors slots were painted blue is that right blue and the rest of students were yellow well everybody knew you know students you don't park in the blue but uh, people had come in this one couple she didn't want to park there are other places to park when it was full if you came late but it was gravel and she had nice shoes and the gravel would mess up her shoes so they had to park in the instructor's spots and they got a ticket for it, and they got reproved for it, and so they're leaving. What do you say to folks like that? <laughs> this other guy, he was leaving, and uh, why are you leaving? He said, well, I'm just not eating good. I said, huh? He said, well, boy, you know, back home, he said, man, Mama cooks steak every Tuesday, and then we got fried chicken on Thursday, and said, I've been eating, what was those, Raymond noodles? <laughs> I've been eating them things, he said, for months. He said, I'm, he said, I, I'm leaving. Now, what do you say to somebody like that? Well, if they can't, you know, the prophet said this. He said, if you've run with men and they wore you out, how are you going to run with the horses? I mean, if you can't make it through a little bit of gravel with your high heels. <laughs> if you can't make it a month without a stake, then you're just not disciple material. You do not want to be a disciple. You just want to be a believer. In 2 Timothy 2, 2 Timothy 2, there are many other such stories, but we won't go into them today. <laughs> Phyllis knows more of them than I do, I think. 2 Timothy 2, my son, do what? 
Be what? These things I just described to you, is that being strong? You let any little old thing knock you out? Any little thing come up, keep you from keeping your commitments and doing what the Lord's told you to do? No, don't be weak. Don't be a quitter. Don't be an excuse maker. Don't be a whiner. Be strong. Be strong. You don't have to tell everybody how you feel. Who wants to know how you feel? (laughs) Verse 3. Thou therefore do what? Endure hardness. Not easiness. Hardness as what? As a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that wars entangles himself with the affairs of this life. That he may please him who's chosen him to be a soldier. And if a man strive for masteries, he's back to the Olympic athlete now. Yet he's not crowned except he strive lawfully. What does being a believer have to do with living like an Olympic athlete or like a highly trained soldier? Discipline. Who ever heard of a disciple without discipline? That's the whole core of being a disciple. Discipline. Think about it. How do we apply these truths? How am I to be like a good soldier? Enduring hardness. Being strong. Not being distracted and entangled with other things. Committing myself to him and doing what he told me to do. We got a a lot of our young men and women on different parts of the globe today. Fighting for us, defending us. You think they always feel like jumping up out of that cot? Putting all their armor on? Driving down the street where they know people could shoot at them at any minute and explosive devices on the street? You think they feel like doing that? You think they want to do that? Are you thankful that they are? How does that apply to you? How does that apply to me? Well, I'm not in the military. People say, thank God I'm not over. They don't have to do that. There's something that's just as important and more important going on in the kingdom of God. And you are supposed to be his soldier. Now, it's supposed to be a little weakling. You're supposed to be a strong man of God, a strong woman of God. You're supposed to be able to lay your feelings aside, your likes and dislikes and wants aside. Hop out of bed. When you feel like 40 miles of muddy road. I know Phyllis and I were talking about this the other day. And she brought up something that both of us kind of laughed about. We thought people should know. And I told her, I said, well, you know, we don't tell the people about our challenges. Or about how we feel. And we're not going to start. In a general sense, everybody has got things. You know, you could just quit and roll over. Boy, there's times that uh, you didn't feel like it. There's times that you things were going on, and you got to get up, and you got to do it. The soldiers got to get up and do it. I mean, if they're attacking, you can't say, well, I don't feel like it. Y'all check back tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, but they're attacking now. Tomorrow's too late. Tomorrow, a new flag will be flying over your tent. The Lord needs you when he needs you, not when it's convenient for you. His people need you when they need you, not when it's convenient. 
Not when it's comfortable. Do you want to be a disciple? Is it going to require discipline? Are you going to have to live like an Olympic athlete? Are you going to have to live like a highly trained soldier? Do we need mind renewal in these areas? Yes, yes, and yes, and yes. Will you believe with me over the course of the weeks to come as the Lord tarries his coming? He'll help us with this. We'll rise up in it. We'll learn about it. I mean, just because you didn't live back then doesn't mean you can't follow Jesus today. He's alive today. He's real. His spirit, his spirit will be your personal trainer. I mean 24-7. Inside you, he will lead you. He will guide you. He will teach you of the master. Say it out loud. I have a master. His spirit is in me. Think about what Jesus taught. He said, I'm not going to leave you comfortless. I mean, they were distraught about him leaving, weren't they? They left everything, and they followed him. He had become their whole life, hadn't he? And now he's saying, I'm leaving, and you can't come? Oh, they were upset. Oh, they were upset. That's why they said, no. Peter said, I, no, why can't I come? I will die with you. And he, he finally told them, he said, I'm not going to leave you comfortless. I'm not going to leave you orphans. I'm going to send another comforter. And if you read the words, look up, it means one of the same kind. And in fact, he said, it's expedient for you to go, that I go away. It's going to be better for you than me being here in the flesh. Why? Because Peter won't have to wait until I get through talking to John to talk to me. I won't just be with you. I will be in you. Hallelujah. All the time. We can be progressing in this discipleship with him 24-7. Because the master's spirit is in us all the time. If we're willing to submit to that degree of discipleship and commit to that degree of discipleship. Thank you, Master. Go with me over to Luke 6. How many believe we could have a church full of disciples? Instead of a church full of whiny babies, a church full of strong, strong, disciplined men and women of God. There's no such thing as a person who's spiritual and who's undisciplined. No such thing. A disciple of the Lord is disciplined. Like what? Like the master. Is the master disciplined as he walked this earth? How many times did he yield to his flesh and yield to sin? Zero. Was he tempted? We just spent weeks on that. Yes, just every day. But was he disciplined? How many think there are times he got up and felt a little achy or or he walked for miles and miles and his feet were sore, but you got to go somewhere else. And, and who wants to face the Pharisees again? <laughs> and the Sadducees. In fact, they're not just uh, writing bad things about you. They're trying to kill you now. And you want to get back up and go. Think about this. Paul. Paul was preaching. And, you know, everywhere he went, they had revival and riot. 
Not necessarily in that order. And I mean, on one occasion, they came, people came from another town and stirred up the people and stoned the man. Now, how many know when people get stoned like that, they don't quit throwing the rocks till they're sure you're dead? Didn't they? They were sure he was dead. And he probably was. And uh, the disciples came and the what? Came and gathered around him. And all at once, he got up. Got up. Got up and said, Y'all got to get me to the hospital. (laughs) And I got to get out of the country now. Was Paul a good soldier? He's the one wrote about this discipline. He's the one wrote about this being a soldier. You know what the man did? Have you read it? He got up. Now, it would be a mistake to assume. Now, God did a miracle in him. He probably raised him from the dead right there. But it'd be a mistake to assume that all of his injuries were instantly healed. Because you read other accounts, he says, when I came and preached the gospel to you at the first, which coincides with this, he said, that's where it talked about, you would have pulled out your eyes and given them to me. Why that? What was wrong with his face? What was wrong with his eyes? Well, when you get stoned, the head is the primary target. (laughs) And when rocks hit people in the eyes, what do they look like? They can be terrible. They bloodshot. Just, he got up in that condition... And the Bible said he went back in the same town and preached. Glory to God. Glory to God. Swelled, bloodshot eyes. (laughs) Got up, went right back in the same town and preached. Glory to God. That's no weakling. That's not a feeling-dominated man. That's not an emotional-dominated man. That's not a circumstance-dominated man. That's not a fear-dominated man. That's a highly disciplined, glory to God, disciple of the Lord, child of God. If it needs doing, he does it, whatever it costs, whatever the conditions. Thank you, Lord. Did I have you turn somewhere or not? Yep, that's a good place. Luke. Well, uh, find two places. Hold your place at Luke. Go to Matthew 10, and then we'll go from Matthew 10 to Luke 6. Now, here is why we should desire to be a disciple of the Lord. Here is the purpose of it, the goal of it. Matthew 10 and 24. Jesus said, are these red letters? Red letters. Does that matter to you in your life? Jesus said, the disciple, the what? The disciple is not above his master. I mean, in earthly things and with earthly masters, it's possible you could exceed your master. With this master, no. You're not going to exceed him. He said, the disciple's not above his master, nor the servant above his Lord. 
It is enough for the disciple that he be what? As his master. And the servant as his Lord. Is he saying it's available to true disciples to arise, to operate and live like the master? Even as? This is a big word. This is a big statement because we have all kind of people that have preached for centuries that there ain't no way, no how, you'll ever even get close to living and operating like he did. But he said something different. I said, he said something different. How many understand? All these theologians I just referred to, they would have never even thought of saying, you're not going to exceed your master. That, that would never even cross their minds. Jesus brings it up. He wants you to know you can't pass him. But you can come up to where he is. Can it be true? Red letters. Go to Luke 6. What's the purpose of you being a disciple? You're a learner. You're a follower. But here's the real purpose. Why learn? Why follow? Luke 6, verse 39. Luke 6, 39. He spoke a parable unto them. Can the blind lead the blind? Shall they not both fall into the ditch? You want a master that's going to lead you in the right way. How many know you can follow the wrong master? He said, you can't serve two masters. You can't. You'll pick one. And for us, there is only one. Only one. Verse 40, he goes on to say, the disciple is not above his master, but everyone that is perfect. Now, don't let that word throw you. When we hear that word in Western uh, minds, we think, oh, well, nobody's perfect. That don't even make sense then. Perfect means fully developed. We might say fully trained, fully developed. Everyone that is fully developed completely developed, shall be as his master. One of the greatest things said, I think, about the 12 disciples. He called them, follow me. They left it all, followed him. Follow me, they left it all. Follow me, they forsook everything, followed him. And he was their life. I mean, it was ministry in the morning. It was ministry in the afternoon and ministry when the sun went down. He was their life. And then he left. But then on the day of Pentecost, the comforter came and Peter stood up and preached and they began to minister and they began to do things like look at people and say, rise and walk. Take up your bed and go. And even the unbelieving secular leaders, the Bible said, took note of them that they had been with Jesus. Why? Because the Padawan is operating like the master. Grasshopper is now operating like the master. Oh, come on. The disciple 
is operating like Jesus. Now you can't exceed him, but you can be like him. Even as means just like. Oh, most Christians don't dare believe such a thing. I think I'm with a bunch, though, that'll believe the Bible. I think I'm with a bunch that when they see red letters, they don't care what they've heard their whole life or whoever said anything different. This is it. This is it. If it says even as, it means even as. I can pray like Jesus. Might not be there today, but he can get me there. I can commune with the Father like Jesus did. I can walk in faith like Jesus did. I can be led of the Spirit like Jesus did. I can walk in love like Jesus did. Are you all there today? I didn't say I was, you know, the Master. I'm His disciple. And I'm with Him. And that's why I'm with Him. He's training me to be just like Him. But now, will that happen? Just saying, I believe in the Lord. And coming and warming the seat. And going home and waiting till next Sunday to come and say, I believe in the Lord. And warm the seat. No, it's got to be in the morning when you wake up. You got to think like an Olympic athlete. You got to think like a highly trained soldier. And you got to learn something. About your flesh and your feelings and your desires. you got to learn how to say it does not matter. I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to think. I like what Brother Smith Wigglesworth used to say in some of his writings. Somebody asked him, you know, about how he felt. The man said he bellowed out and said, I don't ask Smith Wigglesworth how he feels. I tell him. Amen. That sounds like a soldier, doesn't it? That sounds like a soldier. Stand up on your feet. Stand to attention here, crap. Come on up here. I feel like a bunch of uh, newbies that are getting off the bus for basic training. (laughs) And we hear the sergeant, and he's bellowing, and he's calling our names, and he's telling us we ain't at Mama's house no more. And he's going to make real soldiers out of us before this is over with. Close your eyes. Lift up your hands. Shut out loud. Here am I, Lord. Train me. Teach me. Use me. Reveal to me what it means to be a disciple. Reveal to me the cost The way, the reward. reward. Thank you you for loving me. Thank you you for saving me. Thank you you for making this available to me. Hallelujah. Just praise him for a little bit. Hallelujah. Just praise him. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.